and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. Today I am at a small tiny hotel. I don't know, even know if we can call it a hotel. It's more like a shack uh, at the airport uh, at, in Costa Rica, San Jose. I just left uh, Rachel, Loonies and Dennis um, half a day ago. Took the bus here and it was, for me, it was super sad. I, I felt really, you know, the, the moment I turned my back on them uh, and walked to the bus, I began to cry. This is, this is a new setting, as you can hear. I am located just by the highway to the airport and there are no proper windows. It's just like a mosquito net and it's actually adorable. Um, yeah. Anyhow, as soon as I left them, I began to cry. I felt, you know, I really felt everything. Sometimes when you spend time with people you love and you can't express your love for, for one reason or another, you just don't express the love you feel for them. When you leave them, it all comes up, you know, it comes like a, a flood of tears, flood of emotion, and and I just felt, wow, I love them so much, I love them so much, I love them so much, and, and I sat there waiting for the bus at the bus station, crying. I boarded the bus, I sat there crying, and then the bus left went on the highway and we passed the cafe where I left them and they were still there and and Rachel and Lunis was waving waving you know 20 minutes later when the bus passed on the highway they were waving they were looking for this pink bus and of course I cried some more and then I cried and I listened to Nako and I cried some more and I cried some more and I went all the way to Oaxaca, and that's about, I think, three hours. <laughs> and I cried, like, a little on and off, and, yeah. And then I, I was done. Then it was done. There was no more tears left. And um, I checked in at this little hotel by the airport. I feel totally calm. I feel extremely happy like super super happy I went to to have this is this is maybe strange but when I come to new places or big cities you know London Paris um, in Europe for example big cities where I don't know my whereabouts like could be Seoul or could be San Jose in Costa Rica I always check in at uh, you know a a hotel, hotel chain like Holiday Inn or Hampton Inn because you know the standard there is average is very very solid middle to low class standard and you kind of know what you get it's not going to be below your expectations and it's not going to exceed your expectations you absolutely know what you get what, what you're buying and it's the same when I go and and eat food in places like this. I go to a Denny, Denny's or a Wendy's or a, you know, 
So I went to Denny's because I know, and I walked there in the sunshine, and I walked barefoot, and I had the nicest salad, and I read some in my book, and I walked the way back, and the airplanes, you know, they come in landing right, right on top of me in the sunset, and I walked barefoot. A little dog came walking with me, and I felt this freedom, you know, this freedom. And I'm thinking, and this is now, I just need to move the mic a bit. Sorry, sorry about this little noise. I'm thinking that this freedom, this is actually what being alone means, you know. And I felt like, oh, I want to record a podcast about loneliness and aloneness and and how come how come I feel this happy and free when I'm alone. I just left some of the most important people in my life. I cried for three hours and then I arrive here in a city where I know no one. I stay at a quite shitty, sorry to say, hotel by the airport and I'm so happy and I feel so free and light. And I was thinking, what is this, Shama? What is this about you being alone, feeling like, you know, Peter Pan, that you can fly, that you have, like, no boundaries, and you feel like you want to take your shoes off and walk barefoot, and you want to sing out loud, you know, with good music in your ears, and you don't care if people listen or see you or if they... And, you know, everyone who passed me, they honk their horn, they wave, people meet me, they smile, and I'm just feeling like this is, this is freedom, you know. These trucks that go by now, it's also good, it's great that you can hear I'm this close to the traffic, you know, and then there's nothing I can do without, about it. This is what you get, this episode. So... <clears throat> I'm going to stretch a little because I need to go back, you know. As always, I need to go back because it was not always like this. And I was thinking also, when did this begin? You know, when did you start to feel like this? Is it a year ago? Is it a month ago? Is it like two years ago? Is it six months ago? And to be honest, I don't know. I just know that something is completely different. Where there used to be sadness and pain and suffering, there is freedom and joy and happiness. And I don't know when it began. I guess it's been coming like one day at a time. I guess that's how it works. So to go back go back. Those of you who have listened to my previous episodes, you know that, you know that I was super traumatized as a child, I uh, was not welcome and I felt very excluded and I don't know if loneliness is a word that I labeled it with, I felt as an outsider I guess you can be an outsider without feeling lonely, but I assume that most outsiders feel lonely. And uh, yeah, this I, I don't know really. I felt this, you know, 
I didn't feel as a kid like, oh, I'm so alone because I had people around me. I had my sisters, I had my mom, you know, I had friends at school. And and uh, I think it's the last maybe 10 years that I felt very, very lonely. And, and uh, the paradox is that the more family I created, the more people I got around me, in a way, the more lonely I felt. Uh, I felt even more an outsider at times. I know that what I went through, what I was, you know, the way my position in my family, I know it it created something. It made me, you know, my personality defined me somehow that it made me so scared to be with people because I always expected people to reject me. I always expected people to bully me or to say I wasn't welcome, you know. So when I was invited to parties, that was also ex- extremely lonely moments for me, you know. I remember the first parties I was invited to that were kind of hip, you know, that not everyone in the class or in school was invited to. And I got to be invited to a few of those, just maybe two, because then they realized I wasn't one of them. But at those points, they were so advanced, you know, we were like 11, 12, and they were kissing and, you know, having these games and they were kind of removing their tops and they did a lot of strange things and I was super scared and whenever they turned off the lights because there was always a point when they turn off the lights I always knew where I was supposed to hide I always checked out the room before and I went under the pool table or you know I went under into a little closet or something and then I, I hid myself and I felt so alone I felt like the most weird person on the planet because I didn't get it. I didn't get the social part. I didn't understand how to socialize as a child. And I think that for me has defined a lot of my loneliness that the not being able to be social with other people, not understanding people's jokes or understanding what's actually fun about their topic and you know that loneliness I know that when I went to my first retreats the first couple of years like 2006 7 8 I felt so lonely you know I couldn't make friends like the other ones made friends they were super social they were just chatting about anything and I had nothing to say I was just going to ask, did you hear that? (laughs) I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is going to happen now a lot or if it's just like, but I assume I picked also a very bad moment for this, I think. Okay, I need to speak faster. That was an airplane for those of you who wonder and maybe you need to lower your volume. I don't know. Maybe this is super tricky. Anyhow, uh, loneliness. I totally lost the thread here now. 
Yes, I was speaking when I was at my first retreats and I felt so extremely lonely. And so, so I know that there are, for me, two types of loneliness. There's one kind when I'm on my own and there is another kind when I am together with other people. So there are two different kinds of loneliness for me. Maybe they are, there are more kinds, you know, but these are the ones that I kind of feel into. The one when I felt alone, you know, when I felt lonely on my own, those were the depressive ones, those were the bulimic ones, you know, the eating disorder ones, those were the... I, I can't say I drank alcohol when I felt lonely, no. Alcohol was always more of a party thing for me. Uh, it was never when I was low that I was drinking. But I can really see that the eating, the comforting, you know, that was a lonely thing for me, you know. It was anxiety and loneliness. When I felt lonely with other people, and this is one super, super... Uh, big thing that was at parties for example I often felt socially awkward um, so what did I do then I drank a lot I like going to parties but I didn't like the social you know, thing when I wasn't drunk and when I got drunk then I didn't care then I thought I was, you know, the, 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 I was on top of the world. So I didn't care anymore. So alcohol helped me a lot with my loneliness. But the thing is that it was fake. You know, it didn't do it in a proper way because you, I mean, one morning or the other, you are sober, you know, and then anxiety hits you. And then a different kind of loneliness comes because you're alone. So so there is like, for me, there has been loneliness that's been going from being alone, being with other people, being feeling lonely with other people, drinking, and then kind of having moments where I felt on top of the world, then being hungover, uh, getting anxiety, feeling even more lonely, and a super vicious circle of loneliness came from that. I can really see that the alcohol for me it took me over it's like it's like I'm I was scared to walk on the bridge. It took me over the bridge but when I was supposed to go back the bridge wasn't there anymore. You know, that's when when I woke up hungover in the wrong place or whatever. And that loneliness with you know guilt, blame, anxiety that's a killer. And I think that if you have enough of those, your mood is affected, of course. I think also the loneliness, a lot of what I'm talking about is often connected to, you know, the mood. And I think everything comes, goes back to childhood traumas and fear and, you know, anxiety and we try to escape. And, and there is a big, big, big part of loneliness in this you know, this vicious circle of mental, you know, unhealthy state. And I feel that it's really important to address them all, that 
addiction and you know the ways to escape they kind of soothe us for a while but after a while we end up in a worse place and the loneliness there can take us to a deeper you know uh, mental illness depression suicide and so everything is connected I feel everything is connected I think that's why they say it's so important you know that when you when you sober up, if you go to AA or, you know, if you have any other addiction, you go to a 12-step program. One thing, you know, one of the legs in the triangle here is, uh, what is it called? Uh, fellowship, community, you know, togetherness. That's one of the, the, the big things. It's not just not drinking. It's actually to, to be together, to have to have a, a belonging, to have somewhere to go uh, with equals. That is so important because so many alcoholics, so many addicts, they are so alone. What do you do? You drink alone, you are ashamed of it, you blame yourself, you don't tell anyone, and you withdraw from your friends, from your family, and you create a state of even bigger loneliness. So it's a vicious, vicious circle for those of us who use something. Then I know I can't, I, can't speak, I can't speak about loneliness from a position where you're not addicted to something, where you're not trying to escape the loneliness with something, when you're not trying to soothe yourself with either Netflix or food or exercise the gym, you know, or work. Or There are so many, many ways you know, to try to escape loneliness. The thing is, with me, I remember the first time I went to Costa Rica, that was 2000, 2008, uh, around Christmas, New Year's, and then we rented a house, we came back in February 2009, and I was totally miserable at the point when I went to Costa Rica, and I took my kids with me, and I remember realizing the first week here, I woke up at sunrise, I went out, meditated, I cried, 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 cried every sunrise, and I realized I'm, I took myself with me, you know, I took my loneliness with me to Costa Rica. And it took me a while. After a week, Shanti, the dog, came and stayed with us, and things changed. It's like things changed a lot with Shanti, the dog, our first dog. He kind of, you know, nestled himself into my heart. He was very, very sneaky. He was beautiful. He was, he was an amazing soul. And I think that he kind of touched my loneliness, even though I had the kids, you know, That was a little propeller airplane. That was not a big one. Okay. The kids, even though I had the kids there, all three of them, Rachel was living there, working there, so all four of them were there. And still I felt so lonely. It's like... I don't know if you who have children can feel lonely with the children. You know, 
feel lonely with your husband, feel lonely with your wife, feel lonely at work, you know. There's something, it's like, it's like this was a permanent state in me that it didn't matter what I was surrounded with, you know. I had gaps of freedom from the loneliness. Those gaps were often filled with some kind of party, some kind of alcohol drinking, you know, or exercise or eating or working. My God, I worked so much, you know. I worked so much. So I think that loneliness for me, it's a combination, a combination. It's a combination of, you know, all the things that I talk about, of fear and anxiety and addiction and, and guilt and blame and shame and everything put together creates a loneliness that is bigger than you, you know. It's like... I know that some of you recognize me when I say that there are so many, many, many days and years and decades that I've been walking on the streets thinking what other people think of me when they see me, you know. And that for me is so lonely. Some people may say it's self-centered or, you know, that it's... Um, something else but for me that is loneliness you know it's like I'm walking around in my own little bubble and I think that other people perceive me in a way of course in a way that excludes me not in a way that feel like wow like today not not in that way but in a way where they judge me in a negative way and um, Yeah, this loneliness, I've carried it for years, since I was a child, until, until I would say a minute ago, or maybe six months ago, or maybe a year ago. I am absolutely clueless. I can just see and say that now the loneliness I felt is not here anymore. I'm sitting in a hotel room in this little place the airplanes are coming and I feel nothing but happy and free and I wonder what actually changed you know because I this this I guess that you want to know you always ask me how do you do that how did you do that how was it possible and I would say that it's a million of things coming together or it's just one thing or two. I would say that for me, there is one thing that is, has been key these years, the last years, and that is the presence of God in my life, you know. That is that I have somewhere to go, I have someone to turn to. When there before was no one or nothing, there is someone and something. So whenever I have a moment of fear, a moment of stress, anxiety, you know, whenever something hits me, I can lean back on something. I never had that before. I can at times, I can feel like, I can feel alone at times, you know, when I have too much burdens, when I feel like, wow, it would be super neat, super nice to have 
to have someone fix this window behind me, for example, or to kind of clean my car or, you know, just just buy me breakfast when I'm not well. But those times, you know, they are so few. And there's often a friend who does it for me. And I really feel that this feeling of being being okay, not only being okay, but actually being free when I'm alone, that is massive. That is like, and I said there, there are two things. One thing is God, whatever that is, whatever. I can't honestly say what God is to me. I can still have this when I speak about God. I can feel like, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't know how to talk about this even. I feel such a, like a fake. And I know he or she doesn't care. Something has my back anyway, and I can lean on that, you know. I can always fall back on that. And how do I do that? I think that we all, everyone who believes in something, whatever that is, I think we all have our way, you know. Some are counting beads on a mala, uh, some are praying, some go to church, some go into nature, some use whatever, crystals or angel cars or whatever you believe in. I read my book. I read a book, it's called A Course in Miracles, and it, it's, it's, this book is kind of like written for me through someone from God. It's written to me, so it speaks to me every day. Uh, I don't read it every day, but whenever I open it and read the part, I really feel like this is how it works, you know. This is the truth. You can relax now. This is the truth, you know. So, God in my life, it's a major difference, you know. It's, especially when it comes to loneliness, it's a major difference in a lot of areas in my life. But when it comes to loneliness, it's really like... Because if I believe in loneliness, if I believe that I am alone, I believe in separation, I believe that I'm different from other people and I feel I exclude myself. So so I really feel like when feelings of loneliness come, I just relax and I think, okay, this is not true, you know. You can never be alone. It's not possible, you know. Since you kind of woke up to who you are, you can never be alone again because... I am loved, you know, we all are, we are all equally loved, and if we don't think so or believe in it, then we are not living the truth. So I'm so, I'm so sure, I'm so certain of this, that, that for me to believe, to believe in God, that is really, really important and crucial to my health to my happiness, to my joy, to my freedom, and uh, to doubt, okay, then I can go down that road of loneliness and fear and anxiety and addiction. I can just run straight into darkness. And it's up to me. So sometimes I need to kind of, what do you say, tweak myself a bit and just say, hey, okay, maybe you don't believe right now, but you know, Even if you don't believe it, 
you know, okay. So, so there's a lot of comfort for me in God, even though I'm not so comfortable talking about it because I feel as if I'm faking. That's because I'm not, I'm raised an atheist. Both my parents were atheists. Do you say atheist? Atheist in Swedish. You don't believe in God. You don't believe in anything. You, you uh, remove yourself from church. You take big steps to show the world that you don't believe in anything. And you raise your kids like that too. Which I think is very, very, very sad for all the children raised like that. Anyhow, so that's one part that I know has taken me from away from loneliness. The second part is self-love. If you love yourself, you are you consider yourself to be good company to yourself. And if you are in good company, you're not lonely. You are with kind of the best person. You know, if you are the, your, your ultimate choice of person to hang around with, how can you feel lonely then? So I've come to realize that the answer to all my, all my, my problems, all my issues, everything, is just to realize that there is a God who loves me and really wants me to be happy and joyful um, you know, and at peace. And if I don't love myself, I'm kind of contradicting that. Because if I am lovable, if I am this beautiful person, you know, that God thinks I am, and if I doubt that, I contradict that. So I have to, if I want to go with God's will with me, you know, how, how do you like the sounds of San Jose? Do you like it? I like it. So if I want to go with God's will with me, there's nothing I can do but to love me, you know? If he loves me, I should too, because otherwise I'm contradicting, you know? Then I can't believe in God, you know? It's, it's like... What do you say? It's an opposite. It doesn't doesn't work like that. So so I come to realize that to to cultivate my self love, you know. Do you, do you want me to tell them to be quiet outside? Shall I scream? No. Okay. That if I love myself, the more I love myself and the more action I take to show myself that I love myself, you know, the less lonely I am. So the, the, the better company I find myself to be in when I'm just with me, the less lonely I feel, you know. I love my alone time now. I really, really love to be alone. There was like one half a day 
when uh, Richard and Dennis, uh, Richard was off from the retreat and they wanted to go do something. And I asked, is it okay that I stay at the house? And they're just like, yeah, sure. You want to stay here alone? And I'm like, yes, I want to stay here alone. And when they left, you know, then I do my thing, whatever that is. You know, I just do my thing alone and I love it. So, what else can I say about loneliness? I guess the next question you're going to ask is, how do you begin to love yourself? And this is actually, this is another episode, of course, self-love, how-to. But I can just say that self-love, for me, is a lot about action. Everything in life is about action. Honestly, words... Who gives a fuck about words? Words mean nothing unless they are followed by action. Affirmations, they may work in theory, but in real life, if you don't act upon them, it's just words, you know. So it's really, really important for me, self-love, that is to take action. And when I say take action, I mean... In the little things, you know, what you eat, how how you take your breakfast, how you sleep, how well you sleep, how much you work, how you stress, you know, if you do drugs, yes or no, if you take medicine, yes or no, is that good medicine, yes or no, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things, exercise, all these practicalities, it's also a lot about are you eating like healthy food, organic food? What kind of creams do you use? Or, you know, you know, I stopped using nail polish and I stopped coloring my hair a few years back because I felt I don't want those chemicals, you know, to ruin me. I just want to build myself now. I just want to put good stuff in my body. And I really feel that every little thing that I invest, you know, I see myself as a as a seed. I'm still a seed. Maybe I'm a sprout. Yes, I think I'm a sprout right now. And it's so important to care for myself. You know, it's so important to do the right things. And it's also so important to follow my impulses. I was walking the streets here, going to, to Dennis' restaurant in the sun, you know, all the planes flying by. And I just had this feeling... I need to remove my, my flip-flop and walk barefoot. So I did. And whenever I do that, when I follow an impulse like that, and I do it, and I don't reject myself, you know, I don't say, oh, you stupid, why would you do that on this dirty street? Oh, so stupid. I just follow it, and I do it. Then I feel like, wow, this was such a great decision. And I begin to sing, and the cars begin to honk their horns, and everyone is happy. I just feel that those actions, when I have an impulse to do something kind of silly or funny or, you know, not a bit random, and when I do, when I follow that, immediately my happiness level rises and my self-love level rises. It's like, just like, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. So for me, those little things, 
you know, breaking routines, really feeling into, do I want this, yes or no? Is this a good person for me to stand and talk to? Or should I just leave the conversation right now? You know, whenever my impulse says like, hey, you got to move now. This is not good for you. Then I move. And when I do that, immediately something in me relaxes and I elevate. So for me, all these little things that keeps us stuck and locked in, you know, what we are supposed to do, how we are supposed to act and say and, and so on. Whenever I feel like, no, this is not right, this is not true, this is going against my nature, and when I support myself in that, my level of self-love increases rapidly. Really, no affirmations in the world could ever do what my random little impulses tells me to do, you know, when I act upon them. And I feel that really self-love, it's all about action. And it's all about good action towards yourself. You know, it's all so much about kindness and love and compassion. And self-love... It's not to compromise other people's well-being. Never. A self-loving act or action can never put another person down. Can never, you know, jeopardize someone else's health. So we can't... It's not like we climb on each other. This is not a race. This is absolutely... We're, we're not going anywhere here. We just learning to love ourselves and we do that together with other people you know so i can feel that when i take actions that you know if i need to put down my foot and say this is actually not okay and i have to be a bit hard and somehow a conflict arises or something that does not increase my self-love it may be necessary for me to set a boundary, but that's not a way for me to increase self-love. It's really, that's a different thing. For me, self-love is something that actually other people kind of benefit from. This stupid thing I did today, you know, walking barefoot on the dirty road with all the traffic, all the people waving and honking their horn, you know, to me, I made them happy somehow. You know, me loving myself made them happier. So I can feel that this is self-love, you know, is not the same as self-centeredness or being egotistical. It's really something you do because you know that if you feel great, the better you feel the better other people will feel. Because the thing is, the more you love yourself, the less a victim you are, the less lonely you are, less a burden to other people you are, you know, the more freedom you have, the more you manage on your own. You know, everyone benefits. And when I say manage on my own, there's nothing better with two people loving themselves, hanging out together. This is really... That's what I come to learn also, that to be with other people who love themselves, I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's really, to share that kind of platform, that's amazing. It's quite rare for me 
because I think I have found myself or created like a network or surrounding or family relationships and so on that are based more on on you know the outer and success and competition or you know becoming I can really feel that my relationship to one of my sister has you know deepened a lot out of me loving myself more and her loving herself more you know we are both more solid we are both more grounded in our own beings and we f- feel nothing but love and compassion towards each other so so for me loneliness everything is connected really everything is connected but I can so say that that for me to stop drinking alcohol and get out of get away from my escape my escape from loneliness because to drink alcohol to get drunk at parties or be social there to be social with alcohol was a way to escape loneliness so I feel like that is that was an important step then I can say AA and to be there to be in that community That was also important because I felt I was accepted as I was. You know, I wasn't judged anymore because I was with equals. People understood me. You know, maybe 8 out of 10 alcoholics has at least contemplated or tried to kill themselves, you know. The level of loneliness is massive there. And now I can feel, this is also interesting that... The more self-love I develop, the 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 what shall I say? The the greater my belief, or the better my communication with God, you is. Uh, the need for this community and togetherness kind of left me, you know. This is the thing that the need to be with other people or to hang out with people and have people confirm me and have, you know, count how many friends do I have and, you know, who can I see and who can I call and so on. That need actually gets less. So now I have, I'm not going to AA anymore. I go randomly if I feel like it, just if I feel like it. Like today, I would like to go to a meeting. Then I do it. And it happens maybe, I think it happened once or twice this year, 2020. So maybe once every second month or every third month. Uh, And that's okay. And how come that works for me? I am sure it works only because of two reasons. Self-love and God. If one of them would be lacking, if I wouldn't believe in God, but I love myself, question is, yeah, maybe you can, of course, you can love yourself if you don't believe in God. But for me, I don't think it would be possible, but of course you can. But um, if one of them was lacking, if I didn't love myself and believed in God, then I think I would really need the community and vice versa, if I love love myself but didn't believe in God I think also I, I would have a great need for confirmation and approval of other people so and how 
how do we do this? How do we cultivate this? I think a good way to start, good way to begin is actually to contemplate about all the things, maybe write a list, all the things you do that you don't like, all the things you do to please other people, all the things you do to conform to society, you know, everything from families, friends, relationships, work, you know, what you eat, what you don't eat and so on. It may be that you eat something every day, but you don't even like it because other people do, your family does or whatever, or you, you know, there can be so many things, so many things that we kind of do. And if we write that list, what if we write that list and we see that it's like 32 things that we do on a daily basis that we actually don't enjoy? Is that self-love? That's kind of an easy way to begin, you know, to really see that, okay, uh, if I change this, if I remove that, if I add this, you know, on this list of 32, if I change 10 of them, that's a lot of self-love happening there. So to really go over your life and see, just make a list of things that you actually don't enjoy doing. And question, do I have to do that? Do I need to wash the car every week? Or do I need to actually, you know, make breakfast for the kids every day? Or do I need to uh, take out the garbage? You know, do I need to even recycle the garbage? If that is a burden, okay, that was a super bad example. So, excuse me. For those of us who have the possibility to recycle garbage, I think it would be super great if we could develop a, a sense of pride and honor and gratitude for it. We can do that. We can contribute. There are so many countries where you can't. So that was a bad example. But take any example. Things that you don't like to do and you do it anyway people you don't like to see but you see them anyway or you call them anyway and so on and if you begin to change that that's a very very easy way to take action and also things you know what you eat and so on it's very very easy to remove a few unhealthy things and add a few healthy things you know just add some love to your daily routines and there's a lot I could write lists, but I'm not much of a list person, you know. I'm more of an action person, so I kind of do and feel into it. Is this good for me, yes or no? There's always, nothing is neutral, you know. Should I buy this soap or that soap? Nothing is neutral. You decide price over quality or whatever, you always decide. And I'm not that person who says you should always choose quality before price because you're worth it. No, for me, I'm going to tell you this, it doesn't matter if I become super, super rich one day, I'm not going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to keep living my life the way I like to live my life. I'm not a big consumer, you know. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of... Uh, like little things and sometimes I want to explode but I'm not this uh, yeah 
I like to be sustainable. I like, for me, sustainable living is, there's a lot of self-love in that because I'm not only caring for myself. For me, to care about, you know, to care about what people are paid, for example, if they are paid $2 an hour, I don't want to hire them, you know. I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to have that type of project. That is really like, you know, the clothes in industry, for example. I'm really, really concerned. I'm trying to not buy, you know. It's just if I meet a beautiful man and I want to feel, look really, really good for one night, then I might buy something cheap at H&M. Sorry for that. But I have so many flaws, you know. But I really try, I really try to live a sustainable life for me, for the environment, for my kids and for my dogs and my friends and and so on. And for me, that's self-love because I feel good about myself when I do that. I feel kind. I feel compassionate. So self-love, there's a lot you can do about God. Okay. Now I need to... I'm sitting in my bed here. Mm. Yeah, about God. I don't know what to tell you about God, honestly. I don't know how you begin. I don't know where it comes from. And, you know, I just know that one day, more or less out of the blue someone began to talk to me and say truths, you know, just say them out loud. And one day, ten years later, I, I began to listen. So it took a while. I'm not saying it has to t- take ten years for you. It's just that if we realize, for me, the, the, the simplest way to describe God is that to say that we didn't make animals, we didn't make the ocean, we didn't make the trees, the nature, the mountains. We didn't create that. Something else did. Something did. Something gave that to us. We didn't do it, you know. We don't create other beings. You know, they create themselves inside of us. We are part of a creation that is so much bigger. It's it's so big, we can't even, you know, understand how big it is. And to realize that, when that coin kind of drops down, then I get this like, of course, of course. It's so stupid to not believe in something bigger. It's so stupid. I mean... Who do we think we are, you know? So for me to explain or to try to tell what I believe in, I believe in that, you know? I believe in that who created me. I believe in that who created you. I believe in that who wants me to be happy. I believe in that who gave me this feeling of not being lonely, of being okay, being alone. I believe in that. I believe in that. That made me love myself. 
Maybe that's what I believe in the most because that was the most impossible thing for me, you know, that I would ever one day, you know, look at myself, be with myself, feeling like you are a wonderful person. I don't know what's happening now, outside. Is it okay that I take a little sip of water while this is happening? Or maybe that's... Ah, it's stuck. It's stuck. I can't... I'm not allowed to drink any water. And this thing... Uh, I can't even define what it is. I'm sorry. I can't block it out for you. It can be a motorcycle. It can be a generator of some sorts at the hotel. I don't know. But I guess it's it's my cue that I should stop this now. I don't know what Johan is going to say about this episode. If it's even you mainly, you know, is it okay to record a podcast on this, these conditions? I guess if I was at the war zone, yes. But in a hotel, I guess probably not. So... I'm just going to end it because now it got really, really messy outside. Um, I think that to experience, to be able to experience aloneness instead of loneliness, to be able to enjoy this aloneness and feel this freedom and happiness and joy in it, that is massive. That is really proof of a change that has happened inside of me and I'm telling you as I always do if I can do it you can do it anyone can do it because I'm nothing special you know if I can do it you can do it for sure that I tell you okay I love you guys thank you for listening now comes the next challenge how to publish this episode from this little hotel but I'm gonna work it out I'm gonna do it Okay, I love you. Please send me a DM. Maybe not. Maybe better you send me an email because my direct messages, they become too many now. I can't answer. I'm so sorry about that. Maybe you send me an email to shamaperson at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening. And I love you. Peace.